Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. So there was this editorial many people in this country are aware of, of course, by The Wall Street Journal two days ago. Canada is a military free rider in NATO. Now, I've been in this business for many, many years, and I know how it works. And my feeling is, my guess would be, that the Wall Street Journal might have been encouraged to write that editorial during the NATO conference. It may not have been uh, something that one of their columnists or reporters came up with. They may have received a little bit of a communication from somewhere in the U.S. defense system saying, why did you write this? But that is also happening at home. John Iveson, who I respect, a columnist with the National Post, headline, our NATO allies have little patience left for Trudeau's freeloading. So why the criticism? Well, our military, we now know, stands at just below 63,000 members, with antiquated at times and out-of-commission weapons and weapon systems. Just the way it is. It's not just Trudeau. It's been going on for years. But Trudeau is the one who's in power now and has been for seven years, and he talks a good game and wears nice socks. Meanwhile, and I tweeted this the other day, 98,000 new members of the public service were hired in, during Mr. Trudeau's tenure over the seven years, 98,000, but our military stands just below 63,000 members, and they don't have what they need. It's always an honor for me, and I mean this very sincerely, to speak with Vice Admiral Mark Norman, now retired, former commander of the Royal Canadian Navy, and Vice Chief of the Defense Staff. Admiral Norman, how are you? I'm really well, Roy, and good afternoon to you and your listeners. Um, looking forward to our conversation, as I always do. Yeah, and I've been looking forward to talking to you all weekend as these NATO meetings have gone on. So the Prime Minister was in Latvia and Lithuania making pronouncements about Canada's commitment and contributions to the Alliance, talking to our military members about climate change. Um, but but no one in the alliance is buying this uh, this speech anymore. And what is that? What did that editorial in the Wall Street Journal say to you? Yeah, I, it was uh, it was a pretty powerful piece, and uh, I was kind of chuckling to myself as you were introducing it this afternoon. Uh, the theory being, of course, that things like this don't happen by accident. I w- I would tend to agree. Somebody was behind that. Uh, there is there is an underlying sense of frustration. So look, let's for your listeners, let's put this uh, week of NATO in some context here. So we've got this ongoing debate about uh, contributions to NATO, how much is enough, and we can come back to that. We've got the uh, clearly the we're now almost 17, 18 months into the crisis in Ukraine. That's uh, top of mind, and the alliance is struggling with that. We've got issues around uh, the admission of Sweden. So, of course, Finland is on board now. Sweden is uh, going through the process. So Turkey was convinced to allow Sweden. So hopefully that's going to go. We've got um, issues associated with uh, Zelensky, President Zelensky's comments about his frustration about, you know, when is the the alliance going to make a clear commitment to allow Ukraine to join? And, of course, that has all the implications. And then we've got this cluster munition thing buried in the middle of all this where not everybody agrees and we're, and the alliance is supplying um, Ukraine with cluster munitions. So this is kind of the backdrop 
of the week in Vilnius. And to your question specifically as it relates to the Prime Minister's announcements and statements, I think um, in some ways it was masterful in that he took all the air out of the balloon of the critics, but only momentarily, because by announcing that we're going to up our contribution to Lafayette to 2,000 people, plus all the equipment, plus, 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 um, that that demonstrates a degree of commitment, and not all the other countries in the alliance are, are stepping up in the same way, but it's a bit of a hollow uh, or arguably shallow uh, argument. And, of course, then there's this underlying issue of um, our contributions, our funding level, which is uh, woefully inadequate. And um, the net result, as you introduced, is we have a shrinking force that is uh, basically atrophying on a daily basis. So there's the context for our conversation, I guess. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I appreciate that, Admiral. So I'm thinking about, or was thinking about, our CAF members in Europe trying to go about their business, trying to represent this country to the best of their ability within the, within the NATO alliance, doing the job that they're sent to do. And then we find out that Members of our uh, CAF in Latvia uh, had to go out and buy helmets and uh, had to buy belts and vests, protective equipment themselves. And uh, the CAF trainers sent to Poland were sent there without a cook. And it sounds, you know, it's, it's almost comical, but it isn't. They were then told to eat at restaurants but the government has not reimbursed the soldiers for the cost of their meals. And no one's going to say that these soldiers are overpaid. So uh, how difficult is it under those circumstances with fighting raging not far from where you are to operate as a military professional under the circumstances, under these circumstances and the circumstances you just described? Yeah, well, I think, you know, what you've just characterized um, gives us sort of two extreme perspectives. One is there's no denying the systemic failures um, with respect to the ability to support the troops, the um, procurement, all those types of things. And unfortunately, these these examples are beyond anecdotal. They're now becoming more and more um, commonplace, which is really unfortunate. And then at the other end, I genuinely believe what we're seeing is the um, un- unbelievable and almost um, unimaginable uh, dedication and loyalty uh, being demonstrated by these folks in light of what are um, some pretty ridiculously uh, bureaucratic circumstances that they find themselves in. And nonetheless, they're continuing to do um, the great job that they are, and they're continuing to represent Canada in a way that all of your listeners should be incredibly proud of. Yeah. Yeah. And th- there's no apology coming forward for them being treated with the way they are. As far as the uh, food reimbursement is concerned, they're oh, yeah, we're going to pay them, yeah, we're going to move that up on our schedule. Well, Use your credit cards, they were told. These credit cards have limits for these soldiers. And, and you, you're there to perform in, 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 in a military fashion. 
I mean, I was an OSS in the RCNR, um, but but I I got my food, and I had a uniform, and I when we when we had shore leave, Admiral, uh, we knew we came back to some level of sense of security. It wasn't necessarily the most modern ship, but it stayed afloat, and and there was a there was a sense of I will tell you there was a sense of real pride wearing the uniform. And there still is. I will never forget that experience. And these young people are volunteers, and their dedication has to be rewarded. What really bothers me tremendously is that nobody apologized. Nobody took responsibility. Nobody said, this is wrong. It just doesn't fly. Am I, am I missing the boat on this? No pun intended. No, no, Roy. And I, you know, I really respect and appreciate your your response. And I, you know, I think um, certainly the indications I'm getting are that the chain of command themselves are are fully seized with this issue. These issues, um, they do take it very seriously. And I think, you know, part of the challenge is um, how defense has to um, literally fight. Uh, it's amongst, you know, the machinery of government, across the machinery of government um, on an almost day-to-day basis to, to sort out these kinds of things. And a lot of these bureaucratic issues, you know, we've talked about other things in the past, are, are imposed by other organizations. That doesn't make it right. It doesn't excuse it, um, but it does, uh, unfortunately, uh, explain it to some degree. But back to, I think, one of the the underlying premises of your earlier question, which is, you know, we're, the the Canadian Forces is well below the strength it needs to be, trying to attract uh, new recruits, trying to get um, new enrollees, new Canadians. In fact, um, you know, they they've changed the citizenship requirement now, and and trying to get folks. But the the challenge, as you lay out, is that. It's hard to uh, encourage people to join an organization which is being seen uh, publicly to um, have a whole bunch of problems, uh, and many of them self-inflicted, but equally many of them just bureaucratic in nature and not really representative of the kind of leading-edge, uh, innovative organization that a lot of young people want to be part of. And it's unfortunate because there are real uh, really uh, attractive opportunities, and uh, I go back to what you said about the quality of the people that are out there actually doing the business on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, um, it, I've said this before, you know, I've talked about it many times, um, this problem has been decades uh, in, in, in development, and uh, it's not going to be fixed overnight, but it needs to be acknowledged as a significant problem. Uh, it's like any serious problem, be it your own personal uh, behavior, health, maybe an addiction, whatever, the first thing you have to do is admit that you actually have the problem. And that seems to be where we're, we're unwilling to admit it. We're out there claiming that uh, we're doing all these great things, um, which in isolation may be true, but systemically, um, it's a bit of a Potemkin village. Yeah. Running around with a pot of paint. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not untrue. It's the only one. I mean, that just came to mind about 30 seconds ago. They're running around internationally with a pot of paint. Yeah, that that is, you know, there is, there is an aspect to that. And, you know, one of the concerns about um, celebrating the uh, increase uh, to the battle group in Latvia, as 
as strategically significant as that is, and I need your viewers to understand, this is not a trivial uh, or, or, or token uh, contribution. This is a significant contribution to bolstering the deterrent forces that are pre-deployed on the eastern front of NATO. Uh, right up against the, the Russian border. This, this is this is real stuff, and it's really important. But what gets lost in that, and this is why um, I don't like admitting it, but it was a masterful move on the part of the current government, is by celebrating that, uh, their hope is that they will um, basically distract or 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 uh, decoy um, the conversation uh, away from the bigger issues around. Uh, the contribution budget, uh, the, the, uh, the, the funding and uh, issues around the, the shrinking size of the force and the problems with the procurement and all these other systemic issues. So it's kind of a bit of a, you know, I could go as far as to say it was a bit of a bait and switch um, from, a, from a marketing perspective. But, um, you know, and this is where, going back to how you opened the segment, this is where I think uh, the more sophisticated of our allies are certainly looking at this and they're seeing it for exactly what it is. Uh, Admiral, we're at a time now where that ubiquitous bucket of pain isn't going to get you anywhere anymore. And and vacuous statements from irrelevant ministers of defense are not good enough any longer. The world is looking at us because we have a prominent role. We accept that. Our governments like to get out there and push the fact that we're Canadian, we're contributors. What do we have to do to fulfill that role? Is it about spending the money that we're committed to spend according to the NATO agreement of 2014? Is it more than that? What do we have to do? Well, Roy, I think there's a couple of uh, substantive uh, things that need to be fixed. I mean, for, let, let's address the funding issue, first of all. You, you know, I've said this before, um, I, I don't believe the 2% is a is a very uh, effective metric, but it is the metric that NATO has adopted. So um, I, I think the issue is not about the two percent per se. It's about um, the extent to which you're actually investing in and building um, and uh, modernizing your armed forces. And and the reality is, as you set out in the beginning of the last segment, uh, the armed forces is shrinking. And we're falling behind as it relates to significant uh, procurement activity, notwithstanding the announcements and notwithstanding the celebrations that we get on a regular basis and have had for decades. But the bottom line is we need to fix that piece. We need to we need to stabilize the force, grow the force and modernize the force. And whether it's two percent or not, to me, that's not the debate is we know that what we're spending now is not enough, and we know that our allies are expecting us to do more. And and to be honest, we need to do more just to sort out our own business. Um, but that that's my first comment. The second thing is, and Admiral, we I, I always do this to you. I'm sorry, we have 60 seconds. Yeah, it's and the second point is credibility, and I think that goes right to the theme that you've been laying out. And I'll let you get the last word, but it we we don't have any credibility. And, um, you know, that, that that at least will allow you to carry some arguments. Whether you win the arguments or not, at least you can go into them starting on the basis of strength and with credibility. And we don't have that either. So we're failing systemically and structurally, and we don't have credibility. And I think that that puts us 
um, on our back feet, and that's not the kind of country that that we need to be um, as we look into the decades ahead. And and things are just going to get more and more challenging um, internationally, just as they are domestically. So those are my closing thoughts. Admiral, I learned a long time ago that an ordinary seaman standard never gets the last word in a conversation with an admiral. I know that, sir. Thank you for the time today. All the best to you, Roy, and your (laughs) listeners. Have a great day. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.